good to be in the house of the Lord, right? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Amen. Better to be a doorkeeper, right, in the house of the Lord, right, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. What a privilege it is, really, to be able to come into the presence of the living God. And so we're excited about all that God is and what he wants to do in our lives. And it's... Um, I just want to get one thing out of the way. For the men, there is a men's breakfast tomorrow morning uh, at the diner at 9.30. Okay, the Suffolk Palace Diner where we've been meeting for our, our breakfast. And don't forget to set your clock back tonight. So it's a double blessing. You get to get an extra hour's sleep and get to eat breakfast out. So, <laughs> so be sure to do that. Let's pray and ask the Lord to... Um, Bless our time and to bless the word of God to our hearts. Pray after me, Avinu Malkenu, my father and my king. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today. In Yeshua's name, amen. Today I will be speaking on the principle of vision. Vision is a potent principle that, quite frankly, can make us or the lack of it can break us. We can see the importance of this illustrated for us in the actions of the prophet Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says this. Then I gave them my report. Look what he said. He said, face it. We're in a bad way here. (laughs) Jerusalem is a wreck. Its gates are burned up. Come, let's build the wall of Jerusalem and not live with this disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me and how the king was backing me up. They said, we're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves, ready for the good work. You see, Nehemiah told the truth of the situation. I mean, he said, we're in a bad way. Jerusalem is a wreck. But he immediately goes into, yeah, Jerusalem's a wreck. Its gates are burned up. But come, let's build the wall of Jerusalem. You see, though Jerusalem was a wreck, he had a vision for a rebuilt wall around Jerusalem. You see... If not for the vision of the prophet, the story ends there. I mean, yeah, God would have found another way, but God was trying to move in that season, in that time, and he needed someone to have a vision, his vision, God's vision for Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was the man. He saw what God saw. And although things were in ruins, he had a vision to rebuild. You see, the scriptures say that we walk by faith, not by sight. Don't you, isn't it true, if you look too long at our situations and our circumstance, if you get too in tune with your feelings in the flesh, you could easily get discouraged, easily look to give up and quit. You see, this means then we have a vision when we say we're walking by faith. 
not of the way the things are currently and what we see in the natural, but of the way they ought to be. You hear me? We see what they ought to be and will be according to the word of God. In Romans chapter 4, it says, this accords with the Tanakh, where it says, I have appointed you to be a father to many nations. Avraham is our father in God's sight because he trusted God or had faith in God or had the vision that God had as the one who gives life to the dead and calls non-existent things into existence. Hear that. Say non-existent. Non-existent things into existence. The wall was not in existence. It was broken down. But he calls non-existent things into existence. Friends, it is a miracle, the rebuilding of the wall through Nehemiah. God gave Nehemiah a vision. And God wants to give you vision as well. It takes vision to do great things. Abraham had this type of vision, and that vision came from God. We can all see how things are going in the world around us, can we not? We can see how things are going in our own congregation. What we need to do is to close our eyes and see what this world should be and what this congregation can be and the role each of us could play. You see, it's easy to to assess what is, but it takes vision to see what will be. What does God want this world to look like? What should this congregation look like? What should the kingdom of God be accomplishing in our day? What is my part in seeing this happen? Those are all good questions. And hopefully we'll begin to answer those today. In Mishlei chapter 29, Proverbs 29 It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You hear that? So, vision's important. This verse is often used to motivate people to outreach, right? To reach out to the community, to the spiritually lost. And this verse is often used and quoted. However, that's not what the verse really means in context. The verse is really communicating that the people of God need to have a vision. The people of God need vision or else they'll perish. And we'll get into those Hebrew words that are significant. And we need to have vision in our lives or else we will not do well. So first I want to talk about the purpose of vision. The Hebrew word chazon It means a revelation. It means, for example, a communication from God to be communicated to others. A communication from God to be communicated to others. Isn't that what Nehemiah did? He had a communication from God and he communicated that to others. And this includes the revelation of God's word found in the Tanakh consisting of the Torah, the writings, and the prophets. And it is powerful and awesome to think of this. I was, as I was just studying this, we take for granted what we have. Could you imagine this? 
that you walked into this building today with the revelation of the almighty, only true, one living God on your iPhone. Or carried it in your hand. The revelation of the God of heaven. You walked in this room with his revelation on your iPhone. How awesome is that? That we have access to God's revelation to mankind. We have the revelation of God's atoning work for all mankind lying around our houses and by our beds that prayerfully we use and read before we go to sleep. A communication from God to be communicated to others. A communication. God has spoken to each of us. A communication from God to be communicated to others. The purpose of vision. Someone wrote this. If people don't find something to live for that's bigger than themselves, and by that we mean beyond their vocation. Okay, your vocation is great. And I'm glad you're doing a vocation that you love, so on and so forth. But if we don't find something to live for that's bigger than ourselves, bigger than even our vocation, some aspirations, then they're going to perish. And you can see in our world today, there's many who don't have a vision for their lives And unfortunately, the wrong spirits are giving people vision and they're creating and and committing uh, heinous acts of violence right on our streets here, 50 miles from where we live. Vision is also a mental picture. It comes from, the root comes from chazah, which means to gaze at, to mentally perceive, to contemplate. The ability to see in your mind's eye the way things ought to be. Not where you are now, but where you and I want to be and need to be. A vision of the optimal uh, lifestyle that God wants for us. You see, I'm talking about something God gives us from his written revelation and then gives a mental picture of our role in the kingdom of God to see his purposes Fulfilled. Vision. God's vision. If you consider the nuances of this word and how it's used, it suggests that we need to give we need God to give us revelations. And to place in our hearts aspirations and dreams, to give us the eyes, the vision to see it and to show us how to make it become a reality. Some people just go through life, even believers with not really a vision from God. They come into the kingdom and then they just go about, they, they, they get into their vocation and they just go about their vocation. And they don't really look to have God's vision. Think of the Talmudim of Yeshua. He called them and they were doing their vocation, weren't they? They were fishing. And he didn't say, listen, come, Follow me, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless your life so much, guys. Come follow me, and I'm going to make your life sweet. I'm going to just bless 
the socks off you. When you get finished walking around with me for three years, man, you're just going to be blessed financially. You're going to be blessed emotionally. You're going to be so happy all the time. Even when they hang you upside down. Oh, wait, maybe not. But you're going to be just so blessed. Did he say that? No, he said, come follow me. And he gives him a vision. I will make you fishers of men. He gave them a God vision. Not a natural vocational vision. He gave them a God vision. A God vision is about the kingdom of God. God is interested in his kingdom. And yes, at your vocation, you could fulfill God's vision, right? And build the kingdom. But God primarily wants to give us a God vision. Because without that God vision, our lives are unfulfilled. We could look even in our own families and see folks who have walked away from God and see, if not the word is true, without a vision, the people perish. That's why it is so important to have a vision. You see, no vision, we perish. So what does it mean by we perish. It's important to figure out that word. Does that mean that we will die physically? No. Will we be separated from God when we die? No. Not if we're a believer in Yeshua. That's a different Hebrew word. But this Hebrew word that's used for perish is para. And it means to be out of control. To run wild, to be unrestrained. That's why some translations of that verse say, right, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. You've seen that translation. It means to be lawless, to cause disorder, to promote wickedness, to ignore, disregard. For instance, to pay no attention or give no serious thought to proper actions or responses. Think of people you know who have walked away from God. That is their life. The effects of people who throw off the restraints of God's revealed will is seen in our society today that has seemingly gone completely off the rails. Without a vision, people perish. And when people perish, society perishes with it. Friends, could our society be any more off the rails than it currently is? I suppose it can, but God forbid... You could see it in your family or your children that reject God. They are perishing without God's revelation, without vision. This is why it's important. So, putting Mishlei 29, 18 all together, now we see that if you have no revelation from the Word and no revelation from the Spirit and no mental picture of what God's purpose for you in the kingdom is, you will be out of control, unrestrained, lawless, and your life will amount to nothing. You see, we must have goals, visions, dreams that come from the heart of God. All the people we admire had a vision from God. Had a vision from God to see his kingdom built and expand. This is the most important truth, P.S., that we can teach our kids. Friends, I don't care if your child becomes a doctor, a lawyer, or an Indian chief if they are not serving the purposes of God in their generation, friend, 
It's an empty husk. It's nothing. It is not significant. It will not satisfy their soul. And you know what? We put a lot of effort into educating our kids and making our kids well-rounded, that they could play sports and they could be intellectual. But how much time do we put into our kids that they should love and serve God and the vision that God has for their life for his kingdom purposes? That's the most important thing we could give our kids. I tell my kids all the time, kids, I'll say, Josiah, if there's one thing that you need to do that I need to download into you, and that's this, whatever you do in life, make sure that you serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the singular most important thing you could do. My son wants to be a professor, right? And he has a a 4.0 average. He's applying to Columbia, to their PhD program. He's applying to NYU in their ancient studies department. He has a passion for it. But my son knows that all of that means nothing if he does not have a vision from heaven, a relationship with God that's going to satisfy his soul. Tell them all the time that if you put God first, if you have God's vision for your life, you will be blessed all your days. Okay? But if you put God second or third, or if you mix God in a little bit, friends, it just doesn't work. You know, I wish I could sit here and tell you, you know, whatever you do, go ahead and do it because it all works, but it doesn't work. You know, there's a recipe. You ever make recipes? And you live out one ingredient. Make cookies and leave out the... You know, what's that stuff? The um, baking soda. Doesn't come out well, does it? Or, a matter of fact, every once in a blue moon, because my wife is a baker, I will buy something from the bakery, and she'll bite it, and I can see her face immediately. She's like that. Too much baking soda. She can taste the baking soda in it. Because they just put, what they put? I mean, you only put like a, a teaspoon in the recipe, so what they put, a teaspoon and a half? A little bit more, but that just little bit ruins the recipe. It doesn't take much. And God has a recipe, a spiritual recipe that works. Without a vision, people perish. With a vision, they flourish. Which one do you want to be? Anyone want to flourish in God? Of course you do. And this involves our minds, the way we think. We need the mind of Messiah, don't we? That'll give us the perfect picture, a God-ordained vision. In Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua. Have his mind. In Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see... It's quite simple. Right behavior is preceded by right thinking. We all have been given a wonderful brain and the ability to choose what we think and dwell upon. The opposite, though, is also true. Wrong behavior doesn't just happen. It always is preceded by wrong thinking. Learn to be the master of your mind, to be at the helm of your thoughts. You see, this principle also applies to achievement because we're talking about vision each one of us do we want to achieve 
and go beyond where we are? Well, we need to have vision to do that. And it starts in the mind with a mental picture of where we need to be. Not our own thoughts and desires, but in conjunction with the mind of Messiah. You see, we have the mind of Messiah. That means that God's thoughts are intermingled with our thoughts when we have the mind of God. And God's thoughts will always lead us in his direction for his purpose in our lives. We are not just going to stumble into a successful life. Being lucky or unlucky has nothing to do with it. Vision proceeds achievement. What the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Michelet 23.7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart. What do you think about in your heart? What do you think about in your heart? I mean, honestly, really. What are the meditations of your heart? That's important. It's important what we think. Let's be like Nehemiah. Let's have the mental picture of what God wants for our lives as it relates to his kingdom, for our family, our congregation, and our life. Listen to this story. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor who used to travel and speak about how he survived concentration camps. And he would say, you are the reason I am alive to his audiences. And his audience were baffled because they had never seen him before. I have seen you a thousand times, he would say, and he went on to explain how he would dream of the day when he would stand before crowds and tell them how he survived. Day after day, he would watch comrades lose their hope, and the next day they would die. Truly, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he had a vision that he would stand before crowds and tell people that he made it. And that vision came to fruition. Isn't that something? What do you have a vision of? Do you have God's vision? Don't be discouraged, P.S. If everyone doesn't see or understand your vision. For instance, the world didn't understand Noah's vision. What the heck are you doing, dude? out of your mind they didn't understand it but didn't stop him from doing it did he probably catch it sorus and grief for doing what he did absolutely a hundred years building think of this God changes the name Abram to Abraham the father of many nations and he has not one singular child Hey, hi, I'm father of many nations. We're barren. How you doing? How you doing? Year after year after year, father of many nations, how are you? Yet I'm barren. He had a vision from God, did he not? That he would be the father of many nations. It worked out, but he did not let people dissuade him. He kept on trucking. 
For instance, leaders often try to share vision, but some people are not able to see beyond the here and now. Not everyone will get it or see that it's even possible. In some instances, people are in a place in their lives that they can't even comprehend what you're saying. There's a Peanuts cartoon. Charlie Brown says, Lucy, look at my hands. You know, Chuck. Think of the potential in these hands. Someday these hands may heal the sick. Someday these hands may build mighty bridges. Someday these hands may change the destiny of mankind. And Lucy responds, Charlie, your hands, they have jelly on them. (laughs) She could only see that he had jelly on his hands. She couldn't see. She didn't have the vision he had. That's what it's saying. For us as followers of Yeshua, we know that what God has put in our hearts. You know what he's put in our hearts? His heart. God has placed his heart in our heart. And we cannot let anyone steal that from us. A God-inspired vision for what he wants for your life. It's partly revealed in the word. He partly speaks it through the community of faith. It's beyond your vocation. It's something that God wants you to do for his kingdom purposes. Some of you know it. Some of you are discovering it. Some of you, because quite frankly, there's some people that are just not interested in building God's kingdom. They're just not interested. But I want to tell you, that's a mistake. It's a mistake not to be interested in the most important thing. Because when we get interested in God's business, it's uncanny how God gets interested in our business. Let me give you the second thing. So we see vision, what it is. Let's talk about the power of vision. Vision is the engine that will take you where you want to go. It is the energy that fuels us on the road of spiritual opportunity. Thomas Edison said this, show me a man who is perfectly satisfied or has no vision and I'll show you a failure. There's a little list I found of a few examples of people who had no vision. Everything that can be invented has been invented, said Charles H. Duell, the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office in 1899. Is that true? That's disputed, but he purportedly said that. Um, Sensible, responsible women do not want to vote. President Grover Cleveland in 1905. Women, is that true? Was he a little off base? A little bit. No vision for Grover, sorry. (laughs) Grover didn't have it. By the way, vote Tuesday. (laughs) There is no likelihood that man will ever tap the power of an atom. Tim, is that true? (laughs) Not true. That's a Nobel Prize winning physicist, Robert Milligan, said that. Flying machines heavier than air are an impossibility. Lord Kelvin, 1855, I guess he never saw a bird. Right? Wow. Now, contrast that to Walt Disney. When he was alive, he had the vision of Disney World. 
But unfortunately, he died before it became a reality. And the grand opening of Disney World, at that opening, his surviving wife was an honored guest on the platform. And the MC said to her, I wish Walt could have seen it. And she replied, he did. He did see it. That's why it's here. Because he saw it before it happened. Know what he had, friends? Vision. That's what you need to have in your life. God wants us to live and have a vision for what will be. Yet, if we get mired in what is, friend, you're going to walk around depressed. But if you walk around mired in what it can be, what God wants it to be, what it will be, with your cooperation, friend, there will be a spring in your step to get it done. God is trying to impart to you and to me vision. Don't be negative and pessimistic. Okay, there's always going to be people who tell you why it can't be done or shouldn't be done. But friends, God's vision can be done. Nehemiah, man, it looked grim. Friends, he wasn't in a great position. I mean, remember, they're, they're just tormenting this guy. Come down from that wall, Sam Ballard and Tobiah, they're harassing him and haranguing him, and they're just giving him a fit. And you know what he said? He said, listen, I'm not going to bother with you guys because God gave me a vision to do what I'm doing. I'm not coming down off the wall, and I'm not going to waste my time talking to you folks. I'm going to build the wall that God gave me a vision to build. And friends, he got it done against all odds. You see, God wants to take us far beyond reality because a lot of us are mired in reality. Well, friends, I'm just realistic. I'm just realistic. Well, listen, how realistic could Moses really afford to be as he's standing in front of the Red Sea? Well, guys, million plus, I'm just going to be realistic with you, with y'all. Um... There's a sea in front of us, an army behind us. I mean, just be realistic. Let's just cash it in. Let's surrender. Let's go back. Let's grovel and say, please, please, please don't kill us. Did he, did he live in realistic? No. He lived in the reality of God's kingdom purposes and the vision that God gave. And he moved forward, and we know what happened. Miraculous things happened and continued to happen throughout Moshe's life. And this all begins with a relationship with God. Look, look at me, everyone. If you're in this room, listen, and a lot of people, you could be here for different reasons. You could be here because someone makes you come. You could be here because you want to be here. Be here for a lot of different reasons. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have a relationship with God through the Messiah Yeshua, it all starts there. And I'm talking a born anew relationship that the spirit of heaven has awakened your spirit, that the Ruach HaKodesh lives in your heart, that you are quickened by the spirit of God and you said yes to his Messiah and are following him. If you're in this room and that never took place in your life, friend, you're making a big mistake. Because there's only one way to tap into God's vision. It's to be God's child. And to be his child, you need to say yes to his atoning work and the provision that he made through the shed blood of the Messiah. I want to give you an opportunity. Friend, 
listen, I, I would plead with you if I could, if it would, if it would help. And you would say, Rabbi Michael, I'll give my heart if you would plead with me and show me. Friend, if you don't believe and haven't committed your life to do that, make it a point with me. I'll do just that. Because the most important thing you could do in your life is surrender it to the Messiah. And I want to give you an opportunity now. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty. Let's pray that. Lord God Almighty. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of rejecting Messiah. Lord, I repent. I turn from my evil ways. And I accept the atonement that Yeshua has provided. And I say yes to Yeshua. I say yes to your report. I say I believe in Yeshua's name. Friend, if you said that and meant it, your life will be changed. That's so simple, so easy, but so real and so lasting. Because vision is never going to take place without that. There will be no power without him. Because there's lots of people who have earthly, hear me, earthly visions. And I'm not talking about an earthly vision. See, earthly visions are usually what people have for their vocation. My son has a vision of what he wants to be. My daughter's working on that vision. And we have earthly visions and aspirations. That's not what we're talking about here. It's all well and fine. Go be a doctor. Go be a lawyer. But what is your spiritual vision? I would assume that for a lot of you, since you're here in a messianic synagogue, you have a messianic vision. And a vision to build. Look around you, friends. There's ample room for the building of the kingdom of God here. And you know what? I'm not dissuaded because there's a lot of empty seats. I'm not. You want to know why? Because like Abraham, for 25 years, was barren. There came a day. I don't know if you heard it in the song we were singing. Everything can change in a moment. God gives a vision. What he usually doesn't give is a time frame. (laughs) Usually. And everything can change in a moment. And you know what? It's that time gap that usually gets us to lose our vision, to let it wane. But everything can change in a moment. So keep the vision that God has given to you. It is vision that is the engine that energizes us and the spark that inspires us. It's the gears that get us moving in the right direction. Vision is the power that will propel you toward fulfilling the purposes of God. Lastly, we have the possibilities of vision, and I want to go through this quickly. Here are the possibilities of vision. Some people have no vision. Say no vision. For God's kingdom purposes, they are negative, pessimistic. They are, you know, they're not interested in doing God's work, quite frankly. They often think of themselves as, like I said before, a realist, And they're really more interested in their own pursuits than God's pursuits. Okay? They really don't have a God-given vision. God wants to take us beyond that and show us that there's something better. Isn't that what he did when we became born anew? Did he tell us and show us that there's something better than just going to college, getting a job, doing a nine-to-five, having kids, buying this stuff, and living life? Didn't he show us that? That he, there's something that happened in our heart that was dynamic. 
You see, God wants to take us into the supernatural where his purposes for mankind come to pass, like I told you the story of Moshe. For for Abraham to go and build a nation from your barren 100-year-old body. Here's a story. When the steamboat was invented, it was set for a first trial test in the Hudson River. And the story goes that a man on the bank stood by saying, they'll never get it going. And he kept repeating it, they'll never get it going. You know the type. They'll never get it going. You'll never do it. It'll never happen. You're wasting your time. They'll never get it going. They'll never get it going. Some of that, we've been told that in our growing up years. Over and over again, he repeated this until it started moving. (laughs) At which time, he promptly changed his tune and said, they'll never get it stopped. 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 It'll never stop. They can't stop it. It'll crash. They'll never get it stopped. Friends, don't be that person. See, the person who invented that steamboat had a vision of transporting people, of doing something innovative, right? How'd that work out? Pretty good. Helen Keller said this. I knew Bob, shout out. (laughs) Um, Worse than being blind would be to see yet have no vision. Worse than being blind is to see and have no vision. Then there are those, there's some who have no vision and there are some who have lost their vision. They used to have it, but they let it go and fade into the shadows of their lives. Perhaps they were hurt, discouraged, and grew too comfortable. Maybe they didn't see progress as fast as they expected. Avraham could have easily gotten discouraged for this exact reason, but he did not. He prevailed. A serviceman in a foreign country took a local bride. And they lived abroad together for years. All the while he told her about his home congregation back in the States and how great it was. And he bragged and bragged until years later when they made a trip to the States. He was so excited to show her his home congregation and his community of faith. They pulled up to a parking lot full of weeds and potholes. The exterior was broken down and the door was ajar. They entered to a looted mess. The place was stripped and peeled of all value and cobwebs were everywhere. He approached the bima at the front and then he saw it. Still there on the wall behind the bima for all to see a wood carving placed there years ago by one of the shamashim that he had fashioned himself to place behind the bima. And it was this verse of Michelet 29.18, except the W from the first word had fallen off. And it read, here there is no vision, the people perish. Here there is no vision, the people perish. It was a living example of that verse. Someone has said there is only one thing worse than having less, and it's settling for less. Apathy will deliver a fatal blow to your vision every time. Don't settle. 
Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than God's best. God has a vision for our life. When Yeshua comes, friends, he's coming for a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming for a victorious people. Not a people defeated, not a people beat up and just, you know, scraping through, but a people who are doing the kingdom vision. And don't give up on vision. If something in your life isn't where you want it to be, don't give in and forget about the fact of what your life can be. Right? With God at the helm, your life is significant. And you know what? If you're a little older in this room, like we're starting to get, at least this one is, you know, it's funny. You wake up, you have a new little ache and a little, little pain, and the glass, your glasses, the prescription gets a little stronger. <laughs> you know, a few extra visits to the doctor. Guess what? God still has a vision for your life, and it's a powerful vision. How old was Abraham when he was called? Who knows? 75. First got the call at 75. And when did he die? At 175. He had plenty of gas in the tank at 75. And for 100 years, he fulfilled the vision of God. Don't give up or cash in on God's vision for your life. Um... Some have no vision, some have lost their vision, and some have limited vision. Here's a story of a motivational speaker who drew great crowds and charged $30,000 a speech. Not bad for a day's work, a couple of hours. And he was invited to a convention of businessmen. And he used a six-foot blackboard and a piece of chalk for an illustration. And he drew a dot in the middle of the blackboard, and he said, what do you see? And he asked the man in the front row, what do you see? And he said, I see a dot. And he said... The man next to you, what do you see? And he said, I see a dot. And he's next to you, what I see dot. And it went on and on. And he did the whole auditorium. And it started to like drone on. And they're like, same dot. Yep, see the same thing as everyone? A dot. Until he gets to the last one. What do you see? Uh, I see a dot. And then after the final person answered, the speaker said, herein lies your problem. Each of you sees the same little dot and not one of you sees the six-foot blackboard waiting for so much more to be written upon it. No one sees the potential of what could happen on that blackboard, a vision for your life, a sketch of something new. All they saw was the dot and everyone followed suit. You know what, you know, we live in... You know, the world where we're supposed to fall in rank and just follow the world blindly. God has a greater vision for us as believers in the kingdom of God. What, see, what the blackboard represented was limitless possibilities and ideas that could have been expressed. And too often we put a cap on what we can accomplish in our lives. We put a cap on God. John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid. We put a lid on God. Oh, God, I believe you can do this. You can heal my headache. Praise God. Baruch Hashem. God heals headaches. And you might sit there all your life, oh yeah, God is a wonderful healer of headaches. Friend, but God is capable of doing so much more. He can take people with concave brains and restore them back to life. Can he not, Ricardo? (laughs) 
God is able to do powerful things. And God wants us to take the lid of what we believe he can do. Take the cap off. Because it says this, that with God, yeah. Does it say some things? Does it say only the things I could think of in my mind? It says all things. Whether I thought of them or haven't thought of them yet, all things are possible with God. All things means everything. Everything that there is. Everything that could possibly be conceived can happen. Matter of fact, one day Yeshua says, go down to the sea and open the mouth of the fish and you'll find a coin. What? To pay your taxes. How many would, would, would sign up for that as tax season rolls around? But, you know, we don't believe God could do that today. But it's the same God, is he not? This is the one we tout. This is Yeshua, the Messiah. And we all, oh, Rabbi, that's silly. Friends, it was silly back then, too. After all, he was a fisherman. But he never found a coin in any other fish. Yet Yeshua told him to do something silly. And yet it was a powerful provision of God. You see, we hinder God's vision by our limited vision. You hear that? We hinder God's vision by our limited vision. Yeshua can do as much as we can believe him for with just a mustard seed of faith. Just a mustard seed. Look how much faith that is. A little insy. Matter of fact, that's, that finger looks scary. It's so giant. That's like a mutant finger, right? No, it's a normal finger. But look at that mustard seed. A little tiny mustard seed of faith. You think you have to be a spiritual giant. That's why you said that. No, you just need just a eensy, weensy, teensy. A little bit. Just a little bit. And you could do, you could say to a mountain, with that, just, with that much, you could say to a mountain, be cast into the sea. Just a mustard seed. We hinder fulfilling God's vision by our limited vision. We need the right kind of vision to see the big picture. You see, this building is really the dot on the blackboard. The kingdom of God is the blackboard. This is just a tool to do the real work God wants. The big picture is about people. People being changed and transformed by God's love and grace. The big picture is the sanctuary filled with our Jewish brethren and non-Jewish neighbors worshiping Yeshua. The big picture is people abandoning their lives for the mandate of Messiah. The big picture is what God wants to do in our children and our young adults to see them serve the purposes of God in their generation and not go and turn 18 and 19 and never to be seen again, which is the norm these days. The big picture. You see, our kids don't have to wait until they are older to be serious about God and his kingdom. The big picture is about people coming in one way and leaving changed. Remember Paul Harvey? Didn't you love those little Paul Harvey bits? He once said this, a blind man is bound by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man is bound by the limits of his knowledge. 
A great man is bound only by the limits of his vision. Yeah. You see, I believe God is a big God who wants us to dream big dreams and believe him for big things for his kingdom, for our congregation, and for our families. Some have no vision, some have lost their vision, some have limited vision, and lastly, there are people, and this is in closing, 2020 vision. People who have a vision of how things ought to be, and their vision calls them to action. 2020 vision propels you to do more than others, to work while others rest, to accomplish great things to the glory of God. 2020 vision says, I see what God wants to do. He wants to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I'm going to get it done. I'm going to go into action. I'm going to see God open doors that otherwise would remain shut. I'll go and I'll petition the evil king. And he will have favor on me and say, go and build. And I'll go and I'll go into Jerusalem and I'll scrape together a few folks. And we'll work with a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other. And we'll get the job done. And he began and he sprung into action. And the wall was rebuilt. Friends, I don't know what's going on in each of your lives specifically. But I know this. We all need to have God's vision. God's vision for his kingdom purposes living through our lives. When we do that, everything we touch will be sweet. Don't think you could go and just have a natural vision on your own. You need God's vision. And everything you touch will be sweet. Everything you do will be better because you're fulfilling God's vision purpose for your life. There's a lot of work to do. Turn on the news and you could see it on a daily basis. There is tons of work to do. It's so interesting to me that God gave, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel, but he also gave the 12 tribes of Ishmael. And they have the same father, Abraham, except they, have not, they don't currently believe in the God of Abraham. That could change. Wouldn't that be a good thing for every Jewish person around the world? If they would come to faith in the God of their father, right? If they would come to faith in the God of Abraham, their father. And the hatred would go, and the anger would go, and the violence would go, and the love of the Messiah would go in. What a world that would be. But friends, you need a vision for that. You need vision for that. That's God's vision. God's vision is to seek and to save the lost and to make disciples of all, say all, all nations. That's the principle of vision. And here's the thing. You either have it, or you lost it, or it's limited, or not. I want to encourage you. Take this word seriously. You know, as we just brought in new members today, new members go through the membership class where we talk about the vision of Beth Emanuel. And it's so appropriate to talk about vision today. Friend, God's placed you in a spiritual community because God has a vision for this island. He has a vision for the lost. He has a vision for our Jewish brethren. And he's placed us here to fulfill that vision. And you have a role to play in it. 
What are you doing? Are you on board with God's vision? Are you actively pursuing his vision purposes? Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, we thank you, we love you. God, our hearts, Lord, are flooded with your grace and your mercy. And God, we are so thankful. God, we are so thankful, God. Lord, that at the mention of your name, every chain will break. (laughs) Lord, that at the mention of your name, God, things could change in a moment. Father, at the mention of your name, God, strongholds can come down and the lost can be found. God, we're so grateful. And Father, I pray that you would impart to each soul in this room, each heart, Lord, your vision for their life. Lord, beyond their vocational vision, Lord, that you have a purpose for them to build the walls of Jerusalem, to build, to be a watchman on the wall to be a builder of the community of faith. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to every heart, that you would empower each one, that your favor and blessing would be upon your people. And we ask of Hashem Yeshua. And everyone said amen. Let's stand. Say the ironic blessing over you. Please stay upstairs. We have bagels and chocolate cake uh, and coffee. All this stuff we need, right, guys? Maybe not, (laughs) but it tastes good. Um, Let's pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, we pray the peace of Hashemaim on your people. Lord, your supernatural peace, Lord, that surpasses understanding to guard their hearts and minds in Messiah Yeshua. Lord, bless them, heal them, keep them safe and prosperous, spirit, soul, and body. And we ask it, Bashem Yeshua. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom.